a great Australian sprinter, nature's type, and Dave McDonald, and look how far they've won by. Can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying! The autumn sun, boy, you'll have to be good to win from there. Artorias pounces, bombs them, and wins! Welcome all you Ellen Degenerates to our new review show. We've decided to split this up into two episodes now so you can get your healthy dose of unwarranted opinions from from both of us, but I've split over a couple episodes in a couple of days. So make sure you listen to the the tips for this weekend coming out on Friday morning. But just in this this episode, we're going to go over the the week that was some news and give our review from last weekend's racing. Join with the CEO once again this week. CEO, how are you, mate? Good, mate. It's fantastic to be back. Had a few good winners on the weekend, but probably not our best. Not a, yeah, definitely not our best day. Head, head, did you go on the punt? Did you? So I'll, I'll take that as it wasn't as successful. Or I didn't get to fill up and watch them throughout as I was commentating, but obviously you got CEO's best of the day. Yep, Mister Brightside, Mister Brightside, and of course my favourite, the one that you picked on the socials last week, Tis Invincible, yep. got the job done. So that was great. Beautiful. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. We definitely wasn't our best day compared to a lot of our a lot of our other weekends. We definitely had some better days, but that's punning in a nutshell. Some days you're up, some days you're down, and we were definitely down last weekend. But we move on. So just a couple of news topics from this week, uh, the week that was. I don't know if you caught the ride. Have you seen all the? I think it was race two or race three. The um, the Antino ride and race three, race three at Flemington. Nah, you, but I heard about yeah, it. Yeah, pretty stiff. I, I will go into it a bit later on, but. James Jimmy Orman has literally he's come down here just to write not to write just this horse. He's has he's some other book like good rides book for the carnival, but this was one of his main rides and they've booted him off it. Right. After that ride they've sacked him, like, nah, you're done, mate. You're out. So pretty stiff on his behalf. I like we'll go through it eventually on the, when we get to the race, but I don't think it was his fault at all. I think it's Big big news canning someone like that publicly. Yeah, not necessarily publicly. I don't know. If you, I, I just would think that you just wouldn't ride them. You wouldn't go out and say, no, nah, they're not riding it again. Yeah, it's like that. It's, I think jockeys like, I don't know. There's been a couple of them this week and everything that are just like, it just seems such an overreaction. Like you can't really, like you can blame a jockey in some senses, but in that, I, I don't think it was a jockey's fault at all, but who am I to judge? Uh, but Blake Shin has been booked to replace him. So Trey, like, Oranges and apples. I don't know how to. I don't know what the saying is, but you get Blake Shin on board now, so definitely no major sack there. Uh, the other major sacking of the week, which is absolute porridge, is, is Craig Williams has been booted from kick. He's been officially kicked off it. There were a big debate last week about him if he's going to retain the rod or not, and he's officially been sacked now from this debate. And the one and only James McDonald has been booked in. He's riding Giga Kick. Back. Yep, Giga Kick, and James McDonald are teaming up at the Everest. Can you think of a better combo for the Everest? Dangerous, dangerous times. I wouldn't mind going to the Everest too. Oh, no, well. I know. I think I sent a message yet during the week. Yeah, how that, good would that be? That, that, that's going to be one of the best days of racing this year. I think it's the same day as Caulfield Guineas. You got three or four, three or four Group Ones down at Caulfield, and then you got the new Group One up in Randwick that day. The King Charles and the Everest and the Coligos Goal on one day. So I think that day of racing might overtake Derby Day this year for the best day of racing. We'll soon to see. But yeah, Jay Mash got the ride on Giga Kick now on the Everest. Massive debate over Willow. I, I'm still in the debate that Willow shouldn't have been sacked. That's just so stiff, in my opinion. Like the horse just missed the jump. Willow did every, he, in, in that decision in that split moment. He did what he thought was best, but like jockeys don't get it right 100 percent of the time. Like he's already won him in Everest. He's nearly he's nearly going undefeated on the horse. Like I can't. I don't really think you can sack him over it. But I'm not the owners. I'm a train. I'm not the trainer. It's not my decision. But that's just my humble opinion on it. 
Uh, another one for the Everest. Private Eye has been locked up for, after his win on the weekend. Ajeza was a good win. Yeah, definitely put him in the quaddy. Uh, wasn't too keen. I was definitely more keen on in secret, but the sexuals and everything he reeled off. And the shorts has been another one like like the Chiraco from the week before. If if you win that race, you pretty much get like slot holders are just booking you up straight away. So Joe Pride now has two horses in the Everest. He's got Private Eye and he's got Think About It. So he's got a two-prong attack, and they're both pretty good chances, to be honest. So Joe Pye's definitely in for a good weekend at the races. And one of the other quick news topics I want to touch on is Winx's half-sister. It was a bit of an enigma bet around for the day and absolutely pissed in at Geelong last Friday, I believe, one by like two or three lengths. And she was very, she wasn't – wasn't there, there was a – I think she was second favorite or something, but she might have been – Six or six or something dollars into four dollars at the jump, and she won with a leg in the air. So, good breeding goes a long way. And uh, it was her name was Tom of my life, I believe. So, I think if a couple of punters out there has definitely chucked her in a black book. I know I have off that run, but yeah, she looks to have all systems go. And also, the Melbourne Cup and Caulfield Cup weights have just been announced yesterday. I don't know if you caught it or not, but no, I haven't. my tip for Ben as caught, I think she caught fifty five kilos, which is probably. I think it's a little. I don't. I don't know how the weighting really works in these things. So I'm really not one to give an opinion. But I thought 55 kilos is a bit stiff. Yeah. To be honest, considering like Gold Trip last year's winner, like Group One winner now, is going to carry 58.5, and might even be what he carried last year to win the cup. I can't really remember what exact weight he carried last year. But there's a couple of notable runners. I think Francesco Gardi, who's massively spruced to win the Melbourne Cup this year, has only got 52. Uh, Desert Hero, who won uh, one of the races over in the Ascot Carnival. Who's actually owned by King Charles and Camilla herself? I think he's only been a lot of fifty-one kilos or something. So there's some very horses, very good horses getting in there. Are some pretty light weights, but I thought fifty-five kilos for Vivian was pretty stiff, to be honest. But I've been watching some of the replays since of his wins, and he's still going to be my number one pick. Th- those wins he's been producing lately in the margins he's been putting on them are just too good to believe. So all eyes towards the cups. I don't think he's actually going to the Caulfield Cup. I think he's just going straight to, straight to the Melbourne Cup. But we'll wait and see for the actual. Uh, what rides he actually gets picked up with and what races he gets slotted for. So I think that's about it for our quick little news of the week. We're going to go to a quick break now and then we'll come back with our recap of Randwick for the weekend. Randwick preview time. Uh, pretty good day of racings uh, last weekend at Randwick. A couple of good wins in there, a couple of tough, couple of tough races to have a bet on and it somewhat paid. It somewhat did play a bit leaderish. The rail was. It was really weird. The, the rail was out seven meters from like the starting, like from the thousand meter to the four hundred meters, and then from the four hundred meters to the winning post was only at four. So it kind of slowly went back in in a way. But like it definitely still played. It definitely still played to like leaders' advantage. I think only for the day, two horses, one who weren't in the leading like division of the corner. I think one of them, Straight Acer was last Straight Acer was last in the race, but there's only about seven or eight horses in the race and they were probably only two or three lengths coming around the corner, like in the patch. So that wasn't too bad. But the other one, um Osred Flirt, who won race four, was probably he was probably the furthest back for the day. He wasn't all the way in the back of the pack, but he was probably like three quarters of the way back and he definitely still made up some ground. But but the ten races, they're the only two that really managed to make up grand for the day and win. Pretty much everything else was in the front half of the division and just kicked and proved too hard to cash. And in race one, that was kind of what happened with uh, Satinus. It was just had the perfect spot. I think this was the midway, uh, the midway race. And yeah, it just 
by the time I kicked in the corner, it was just in the perfect spot. I was I I actually didn't have a tip in the race, but I got on um, electrical late. I was pretty like I didn't wasn't too keen but I just put like ten or fifteen bucks on it. And when it like when they were straightening it up, I was like, oh, she's like she's in a bit of roomy, and she was ambling along, ambling along. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like she's just going to go straight past it. And when she was pretty much gone eye level turns with them, she just fell one pace. Just just ran out of room. I don't know if she's just out of gas or like she just looked like she was flat. Satness just had the legs and just kept running. But I think Electrica had been up for a while. She hadn't really had a spell or anything. So might have just come to the end of her prep. I'm not really too sure, but she just didn't look like she ran out for 1,600. But Satness definitely did. Had a full tank of gas and was had the right arm, got put in the right position and just proved too, proved too easy for that lot in the opening race of the day. And then race two was taken out by Debbie Grove, and he is just absolutely Kosciuszko bound. I did have a bet on him late as well, and I think – just from the last race he won, people would say, like, yeah, he's definitely Kosciuszko band. You've got to back this horse. He's definitely going to head there. And he just proved proved, proved that as well. Like, he was just in the perfect spot. He wasn't he wasn't on the rail. Like, the rail definitely played a lot more than what it has in the last couple of weeks. But from where Jerry Grove was, he was probably, like, five or six wide at the corner, but just was just hadn't been asked anything about Tommy coming around the corner. Everything else on the rail was trying to – I think the favourite – it was a two dollar forty or two dollar fifty favorite for my love or something like that. That was on the rail, but it was just had too much in front of it. it was ducking a wave and just couldn't find the right path in time and definitely couldn't get out. Whereas Derry Grove was a couple of wide, will give him that and definitely had to cover more ground. But he just he just had clear room, full momentum down the straight, and he proved too hard to beat. I think he ended up winning by two or three lengths from memory. I can't remember the exact margin, but he definitely put a gap of him. And the favorite was Stormin' Home Late, so maybe maybe with a bit of clear room, he might have been able to put more. Put on more of a contest, not too sure, but all the honors with Derry Grove. He definitely uh, put him away with ease and is definitely headed to the Kosciuszko. Race three was taken out by Straight Acer, who I oh, just briefly yeah. mentioned before. Good, it was a pretty good win, like the win before when he was he, he won a midway. And uh, I think that might have been a race to a Ramwick. I can't remember the exact track, but he was pretty much the same thing. But at the, the race before, he was sitting last on the corner and everything else was just going straight by him. He was probably five or six lengths off on that occasion, but just the the amount of room that he made up and like the, they weren't going overly quick, but they were still going a moderate tempo. And he just found another three or four lengths in them. Like he just put them away and that run just stuck in my mind. And I was like, all right, like it was a favorite. I think it was only like a $2.50 favorite or something in this race. And I was like, oh, if I'm going to bet on anything, I may as well back this. And he didn't let me down. He was, from what I was saying before, he was probably last on the corner once again, but just, the man, like they were only covering. It was a small field, so they were only covering like two or three lengths over the whole field. And he just had so much to give late. He just went straight by him. So that midway form kind of stacked up. Like I don't really consider that midway form a really good form to stack up. But I think he was up to a would have been like a benchmark eighty-eight or a benchmark ninety or something. And he put him away with ease. So that midway form was actually starting to stack up every now and then. You take, you can get a good one out of it, and straight ace proved exactly that. It was a good win. Uh, I don't think the sectionals, I had a look quick over the sectionals, nothing really to note. Uh, they did go pretty quick in these first two races. Uh, I think in the first race, the like 1600 meter race, they went very quick for a, for a mile race, which I'll, I'll touch over later in one of their other races. Gotcha. But yeah, over. yeah, just have a quick look over that one. In race four, I did I did tick Gringotts. I thought it was, I was pretty keen on him coming up from Melbourne. And I thought he might have been a pretty sneaky. Not really. Apparently, that's not where the money was yeah, this no, week. Unfortunately, I think Harry Potter might have been in my store with, <laughs> with Hagrid at the start of the week and stole my stone. Yeah, he must have. Uh, but yeah, Gring, it was pretty flat. Like I, I wouldn't say flat, but I did. But just the way he was, like he 
wasn't too far off him. He was definitely like he was in the right spot. He was in the front half. I'd say, bit, I'd say flat's pretty bang on. Yeah, like he he looked like he was like when they were charging when the sprint was on. I was like, oh, he's going to go. Like he's just pound like he's got everything here, but just everything else beside him just went straight by him. He just yeah, he was. He was just flat laid. He just had nothing left in the tank. Whereas the winner Osprey Flirt paid about fifteen bucks or something, and that was the one who made up the most grand for the entire day. I went back. I went back and watched all the the like the race replays and everything, and just the amount of ground that he made up. He was ducking and weaving, and like he, he would have lost momentum, well, not a lot of times, but he lost momentum once massively. It was definitely a period of his run. So if he didn't lose that momentum, he put he probably could have put him away by further than what he did. Uh, and a couple of a couple of the sky tipsters and seven horse racing tipsters did tip uh, um, Osbert Float as well. So people knew about it. I definitely wasn't one of them. Uh, but yeah, Gringos was definitely a bit flat in my opinion. Uh, race five, I was on Major Bill and he did Dunkin' Donuts as well. This is our day that just kept. I, I was, I, I wasn't, I was pretty counter on him. I will, I will admit, I did have a fair go at him, but he just found nothing really. Like he was, yep. he did get a bit far back, and that definitely wasn't the pattern for the day. You had to be upright in the speed. Well, the one who won, I touched on it last week, and I said, "This, I can't believe this is playing so short, just fine." It was like three dollars ten, like three dollars fifty. I'm like, "Geez, that's short. I, I can't back it." And Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely horse to follow in this race. He nearly like they were saying after the race. He nearly broke a th- this track. I don't know how long they said this track record had been standing for, but he was in within point oh five of a second of breaking this track record. It's oh, been yeah. it's a massive standing track record there at um, Randwick, and he's only popped it off. And he's he's only like an import. He's second up, like he was second up now. Come from France or Great Britain, I believe. I can't remember, but. His first two wins over here have been dominant. I was, I definitely was against him on the day. I didn't know how that form was going to stack up, but this second up win just stamps it. I don't know what race he's going to go to, but definitely the, the track definitely did help to his his win in that day. Like he was up there riding the speed, but that's what good horses do. Good horses just get up there, they ride the speed, they're trained to rain, they train the race that way, and that's exactly what he did. He got up on the speed and just put pay to him late. He really got some massive sectionals late. And put paid to a pretty good field. Like Major Bills won a derby. Like he won the ATC derby last year, and there's some bloody good horses in that race. And he he made them look like benchmarkers. Yeah. And there's there's Group One winners in that race. So all honest were just fine. He's definitely my horse to follow out of the out of the entire Melbourne and Randwick meeting. I don't know. Or maybe the Metrop you might go to in a couple in on Grand Final day. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I've, I'm definitely sticking with just fine now. That win was too good to believe, and definitely one to add to the black book. Race six, Tis Invincible. We needed that one for the day, and he duly saluted. I was pretty keen on it uh, when we did the pod last week, and thank fuck <laughs> I tipped because and, and I clipped it. Too. Yeah, I know that, that's probably like, if, if, if all the tips you did manage to clip and put up on the social, that's a good one to have up there. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the one of the only three we got for the day, so we're pretty happy we got that one up. I love it. But yeah, he was massive. I was very very cautious, like because everybody. Pretty much when they put the race on, like at the bottom of the TV, they put everybody's tips and everybody had tipped Kamachi and I was like, oh, no, here we go. But I think that's just like I like I was very well, – I wasn't sure between them, but I just thought Tiz Invincible had the form, had the sectionals and everything. Zach Lloyd is just – he can ride anything at the moment. That bloke is just unbelievable. And you were getting like it was about – he was a favorite. I think it was like $4 favorite or something. It was still It was still a reasonable price to have a bet at. And I was, I'm definitely backing it. Um, but, yeah, uh, Kamachi definitely in the race before where they both came out of the same race, Kamachi definitely had the bet, better late sectionals and they were both up an extra 200 metres to 1,400. I was like, oh, don't know, like late. I was getting very, very nauseous, like very weird because everybody was tipping Kamachi, but 
Tears of Vince will just come out and prove to you good. That's all good horses do. Good horses win. He was in the perfect spot on the rail on Zach Lloyd. About the 200-meter mark just peeled out. Him and Kamachi were kind of like the same thing, but Kamachi just looked one pace, and Tiz Adventure just went fucking whooshka straight by him. And he's, I don't know, he's favorite. I don't know what he is for the flight stakes in a couple of weeks, 1,600 meters, but he should be an absolute lock-in for that at the moment. Tiz Adventure won the flight stakes. Get on him right now. Well, the funny thing is, um, obviously, this is your podcast. You know a lot more than me, and you've been dominating, obviously. You've had eight from 13 winners a couple of times already early on this podcast. And it's funny, on the weekly wrap, I usually like to give my tips either for the footy or the NBA, whatever is on. Um, and I feel like I'm not really hitting much there. And then I've come across an, um, to the lottery, which you, you are dominating. You're still getting them. But I've had Tis Invincible Mr. Brightside as my big horses for the summer. And you've absolutely delivered. And I've delivered on him and I can't Maybe believe Maybe you should it. come a host over here or something. What's uh, going on? I don't know. but uh, Sorry, Weekly Wrap. The CEO's best bet and obviously Jack's Beanstalk. Yeah, um, mate, we are. I feel like this week I'm going to give a couple of tips. You might do another sheet next to yours and we'll do the slides. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, rumour meal, we might be having a new uh, a, a yes. new announcer on this show coming up soon, a bit of a, yes. bit of a sneaky preview to the listeners out there. We might have a new host in the next week or two. I don't know what he's yep. – he, he must be pretty – bloody busy man to be able to miss out on this show. But. He must be going to watch the trials, I think. Yeah. That's what it is, getting yeah. ready for what he's going to be. So, yeah, we, we might have to put out a couple of – I don't know how I don't know how we could do it, but we might have to put a couple of different tips. Like everybody's tip sheets out there for the day for Melbourne and Sydney maybe. Yeah, yours will be the main one and then people will be able to slide across and look at the other yeah, ones. Yeah, we might have to do something like that. We've got a – we do have a graphics man on the case, so he'll be pretty busy over the next couple of weeks, I'd imagine. Yes, he will. About time he did something. Uh, but, yeah, it is invincible. Like – and especially in that race, what I was just touching on, uh, from the two hundred, from the four hundred meters to the two hundred meters, had a ten seventy six split, which is absolutely dynamic for a fourteen hundred meter race. Like that, like that's where you put him away. And those four, not the fast two hundred, but the four hundred to the two hundred. He just like that's where he made up his ground, and he was just too strong late after that. So can't imagine sixteen hundred meters running him out. Kamachi, I was yeah, I'm not too sure about Kamachi now if he's going to run out. Uh, 1,600 metres or not, but Tiz Invincible looks a pretty good thing in the flight states in the next coming weeks. Uh, race seven was Think It Over, and this absolutely done me in the quaddy. Fangirl broke my heart. Best bet of the day for me and just... Very streaky horse, Think It Over. Yeah, I was... It, look, it, this is... I'll, I'll talk you through my my dilemma for the day in this race, but all it was, I like. I only really put Zaki in there last minute because I said, if I don't put Zaki in this quaddy, it's going to roll me. Like I'm just like, I was... Head over heels, fangirl, best bit of the day. This horse is going to absolutely demolish this field. And I only put Zaki in there literally just because I was like, it's going to roll me. So I'm putting it in there for safety. Looked to think about it and I just think it over, sorry. And I just thought, nah, fangirl will beat it. So I didn't put it in there. And I got the next three legs and it paid about $3,000. And I missed out on the quaddy and I had about 60% of it. And I missed uh. it out of by 0.06 of a length because I didn't put – I was I was too arrogant. I was too hot headed. I was just like Fango was just going to obliterate this field. Just sort of stuck to it, but I didn't. But this is kind of what I was talking to you before about this earlier race in the midway, which is the benchmark seventy two over a mile. They ran seventeen lengths faster than the seven stakes on this day for a bench like the seven. It's it's not a group one race, but it was a group one field. Everything in there has been winning group ones, group one winners and competing group one races and they went 17 lengths faster than them. So Fangirl was just like pretty much on the corner. Fangirl was just, yeah, like it was impossible to make ground. Like there's no way mathematically, like you'd have to be like literally the Superman of like and reel off like 
incoherable splits to be able to win that race. It was just never, ever set up for it. And I think that's like that's kind of like Fangirl's kryptonite. Like she's just – you have to have speed in the race. You have to be able to make up the ground. And she just – mathematically, it was impossible. So that was pretty much me out of the quaddy. I uh, think it over did have the best last 200 meters of the race, but in 11-12, which was still pretty good for the race considering it was a crawl when she just had, was – she wasn't up. I think she might have been third – just behind Zaki in the race, like, and they just went around the corner. And Zaki looked like he had it to the line. Like, I think Think It Over just got it down the line to win the race. But Fangirl had the best last 600 meters of the race in 33.03, which is at like for, the, for a slowly run race, 17 lengths, 17 lengths slower to get a 33.03 last 600 is massive. So she did everything she could, but just mathematically and physically, she just couldn't make up the ground in time. But yeah, that's punning. That's horse racing in a race. So can't really take too much out of that. I'm definitely still following Fangirl. She's definitely still one of the best miles in the country behind Brightside and Co. But yeah, just putting that one down to a pretty stiff beat in that race. Uh, race eight was also another slowly run race in looking up to the time. But Private Eye, he's, he's got a he's got an Everest slot now, and Julie So after that effort had a 32:43 last 600 meters split, which is the fastest of the entire meeting. It was, it was like this thing, like these slow races, you really, you have to be very, not versatile, but like you have to be, be able to adapt to the race like that. Yeah. A lot of horses, you have to have speed in the race and then put them away. Like you just can work off that speed and just build into your progression. But to be able to come off a crawl and run a 32-43 last 600 is absolutely massive. And off those things, he has to be in there with a massive chance of the Everest. Also, with from the 400 meters to the 200 meters, had a 10:47 split, which is very similar to Tiz Invincible, who had 10:76, who had a 10:76 compared to 10:47, and they were. Uh, this was 1100 meter race, and Tiz Invincible was a 1400 meter race, so that just kind of gives Tiz Invincible some credit. Like he's normally running Everest sectionals in a 1400 meter race, but yeah, Private Eye definitely deserved a uh, Everest slot after that run. Uh, Buenos Noches had the best last 200 meters of the race. In 1082, which anything below 11 seconds is dynamic. So, Buenos Noches isn't in the Everest yet, yeah, but but I definitely think he deserves a start with those sectionals. And in secret, who I was on, kind of the same thing as Fangirl, which is mathematically out of it by the corner, like just just too far back. She's normally a get on pace horse. She's normally just up there within striking range and put him away, but not in that race. It was just one. It was just run really, really, really weirdly. Um, had 33.51 last 600, which is still. Absolutely dynamic. Um, still, it was only it was only point eight of a point oh eight of a second slower than Private Eye. So it was, it was still second best last six hundred of that race, but it was just too far back. Couldn't make up the racing time. But I reckon Private Eye. I mean, so Private Eye is in there, but I think Bonus Notches deserves a slot, and Godolphin still haven't released their slot yet for the race. So I definitely think In Secret's going to is going to make it. it was, I think it between her and Af Cabin, but I think In Secret's just in better form than the moment. At the moment, Af Cabin's going to have to go first or second up into the race, whereas In Secret's going to go third or fourth up, rock hard fit. So I reckon In Secret will definitely take it off and slot in the race. Uh, race nine was won by Redina. It was a bloody tough win. Like the, a lot of these races, same kind of thing. Broke the pace, just proved too hard to beat. And Redina was one of the ones who, from the Brisbane Winter Carnival, knocked off Yellow Brick, who we were all yep. massive at in that carnival. Yep. Like this horse is going to absolutely pounce them. Was one of the leading three-year-olds for that season. Has just come out and got knocked off by Redina. And when she she's not a bad Sydney, not a bad Sydney horse, but definitely needs a drier track. It, like it was a good four, good three on the day. 
And yeah, that yellow brick, that massive three-year-old form just proved too good in this race once again. Paid around eight or nine bucks or something. I had him the quarter and everything, so we had that leg. But yeah, she just proved too good to beat. Like the sectionals weren't massive, like weren't anything to note in that race either. So not really too many notable sectionals to take out of it. Yeah, but Regina was definitely a good one to follow with like that yellow brick form. is definitely stacking up to be some good form. And the final race of the day, uh, Kibu was just too tough in the race once again. Just proved to the front and got just same thing as all these other things. It was hard to make up ground for the day. Rode the speed and just proved too hard late. Garza Blanca was flashing late, who I was on. I think I did have I had more on Garza and I had to save her on Kibu in the race. Uh, but I was definitely more keen to Garza. But he didn't fight for the ground. He made up for that day. It was massive. It was a bloody good run. We up some pretty good sectionals late. We just, yeah, just that day around, which just didn't suit his racing style. Needs a more even track and needs some more tempo in the race to be able to be able to secure himself a victory in these kind of races. Uh, but yeah, all honest with Kibu, all honest with the day at Ranwick, and definitely from that meeting, I will be following uh, just fine because that was one hell of a win. So I think that'll be about it, unless there's a notable thing from the CEO. Nothing notable about nah, that Ranwick race. Nah, not for right, me, mate. Too easy. So we'll go ahead add another creek break now, and then we'll come back with our Flemington uh, review. Flemington preview time. No, another good day racing down in Flemington. Uh, was the rail was in the rail was in the true, and but uh, the rail did play like a part for a lot of the races. Like especially some of the straight races, a lot of the winners were up against the rail and riding the rail home. So it's definitely normally not the way at Flemington. A lot of the times they come off the rail, and especially in straight races, they come down right in the outside. But for the first couple of races, they did come down the fence and like stick fight down on the rail, which was pretty much the story for race one. Our, our last cash just was per- well, Craig Williams rode. It was actually perfect ride. Had him in the front half of the division. It just, he, he was naturally, I think, I can't remember the exact barrier that he drew, but he definitely drew a low barrier and just went straight to the rail and was put in a beautiful spot, giving that and just proved to the good for the lot. Everything was sprinting late. I definitely think Buse should have won the race. Um, she just like he just needed room late and was kind of lost momentum and had to cut back to the rail and then when he got out late he did st- he did storm home late to the to the post and he he did have the best last six hundred meter splits of, of the race so definitely was his race to win and lose he was a two dollar I don't know it wasn't two dollar it might have been like four dollar favorite or something but just yeah like that's kind of the same story as a lot of other weeks you just you can have the best sessions in the race but if you're not in a spot to win the race if you've don't, don't have clear room and everything. It just takes you out of it, and that's pretty much what happened to Buse. But all honest with our last cash, Williams put him in a perfect spot. I think it was a be a second or third win. Seems to be a pretty good straight horse. So, yeah, all honest to start the day with our last cash. Race two, we were on Alhambra Lad each way, and that was probably one of our only other bets to get up for the day. We had that each way, and come second was probably – it wasn't too bad of a run, to be honest. Like, I was definitely more – like, I think Serpentine and – Interpretation were massively back late, like those European days. They were like they had a fair go at him, and I think Alhambra lad drifted. If anything, he might have gone out to yeah, yeah, you're right. I can't remember what he actually started at, but I was definitely still pretty keen on him. He was definitely flying, and he still is. Like his last couple of races, he's come second, second, and then he was had like four in a row before that. So twenty five hundred meters seemed to suit well. Uh, but the winner mostly cleared. He hadn't won in like. Th- nearly a thousand days or something but we removed pin claimed a couple of kilos and kind of the same thing as the first race was just in a perfect spot was in the front half of the division on the rail but like that like normally Flemington doesn't play like that normally Flemington's like a very even race but 
the first two races definitely played to on the rail and leading. And yeah, Willem, Willem of Pin definitely had mostly cloudy in the gun spot. Uh, and it, yeah, just proved too good for this lot of the staying race. A couple of them did make ground late, but they just weren't in the position that mostly cloudy was in. So putting that down to three year, for yeah, we were right. Well, good on him. Still, at, he's still at a two kilo claim. I don't know when he's going to get down to one kilo or so, but uh, yeah, he, he's a good jockey with a good head on his shoulders. So that was a good ride by him. Race three, Antino was one of the grimmest watches, grimmest, sickest beats you've ever seen in your whole entire life. It was one of those things like on the day you, you can get your bonus bet back up to fourth, like up to third, sorry, and it come fourth by 0. 0.0001 of a length to just – the momentum that he lost, as I was going to say in the race, Jimmy Orman got sacked for it, but the way they were – like he, he was in the perfect spot on the corner and when they peeled, he was stuck behind the leader and he only had two options a year that just – Stayed there and did nothing, or tried to fire room on the rail and make room. And like you can't really blame him because if so, say like say he stayed behind the leader, and the leader just happened to move out perfectly, and he got that gun run through. Everyone would have been going off saying James Orman's the best jockey. Like he he knew that gap was coming. He he waited for it. He knew it was coming. He took the gap late. Whereas if it didn't if it didn't come, which is what happened in the race, he would have just got pants saying, "Nah, he was." Bad ride. You you can get sacked from you, you can get sacked from riding there. Like you got sacked from riding it pretty much just because he was anticipating a gap that didn't come. But like if the gap came, he would have been the best jockey of all time. Like the, like you completely different circumstances would have come out of it. He would have been getting praised from right of the day pretty much. Whereas instead he's getting booted from the horse, which I don't think is his fault. He did try to make a rails run, but if you like, they they showed the head on vision and when the horse went to the rail, it kind of. It wasn't even him, but the horse itself just got scared off by the rail and veered back out. And you can't really blame that to Jimmy. Like that's I don't you can't blame that on the jockey at all. But like they have, they've sacked him off it, which is I think pretty stiff. And the I, I think it's very stiff considering it was pretty much the horse who just said, "No, nah, I'm not racing that close." And it is it is a Queensland horse, and they do go the Sydney way of going. Whereas this is his first time going the Melbourne way of going. So that caught us, that that might have spoke like spooked him again as well. But considering. He lost full momentum, like he went to the rail, got chopped out, went again, went out wide, lost momentum again, had no run, went back to the rail, lost momentum three times, like twice in the last 400 metres and still had the third best 600 metres and 200 metres of the entire race. Just proves how good that, like that horse should have won by, four, like, shouldn't won by six lanes, but he should have just gone straight past every single one of them. Like nothing else was making that grand late. He, if he had that rails run, he would have been off and gone, like, there was no way they were going to catch him. And I think it's very stiff on Jimmy Orman having to lost that race. Like having to lost the rider in him. Like like I said, I think it's yeah, I I think it's a bad call in my book, but I'm not a trainer, I'm not an owner. So I can see how they'd be pissed off, but I think it's pretty stiff on our end. But the winner Colino did just had the complete opposite of Jimmy Orman's ride. Was out wide, three wide, four wide on the corner, and just had absolutely everything go right from had perfect room. Had plenty of room to make up some momentum and build up the revs late and proved too good for him late. Paid around seven or eight bucks late as well. So can't really complain with that. Uh, if you back Colino, well done. But yeah, I think Antino backers were duly pissed off and absolutely <laughs> I was one of them. I was pretty stiff too because I didn't even get my bonus bet back. Yeah, stiff. Race four, Archo Nacho won and he is an absolutely good straight horse. The only other like he's two from three now. He had a win at Werribee, then he went down the straight in his second up start. It was knocked off by exploring or something over 1,100 metres. And exploring has gone out and been running in list in group and list of races over in the Morphicville Carnival. 
uh, early in the year, and he's, he's he's a listed group horse at best. And Archie and Archer has just come out and just dominated down the straight once again, especially in these straight, like for these coming up, like these three-year-old sprint races down the straight, he's definitely one to have. Like if you can handle the straight, you're definitely, like for these straight races, you're definitely going to follow him. And he had the best last 600 meters splits of that race in 32.96. And anything under 33 seconds for a final 600 meters is bloody good. And for a three-year-old to get that down the straight is is one hell of a race. So Archie and Archer is definitely one to follow. I am unstoppable. Had the best final two hundred meters in the race at eleven thirty eight, which probably was like it's not an overall good time, but for the race, it was the race's fastest and still a good time. We were on um, King's Gambit, and just everybody tipped it. It was a lot of people's best bet of the day. Yeah, it was. Um, but just, just like he, I'll give him that. Like Blake Shin, even like when he, in the first 300, 400 meters, he was just fighting it. Like it just looked like he wanted to go straight away. wasn't Was never settled. Was never ready. Really in the race and. Still battled on well, considering how like how much he fought the jock early, uh, and yeah, like like from from the effort that he put into the race, he definitely did finish off still pretty well. But just I don't know if he's just not ready yet. Still, still a bit green. Still doesn't really know what he's doing, especially down the straight. I don't know if he's the first time down the straight or not, uh, but definitely didn't just the race wasn't for him. I definitely I don't know if I want to stack him stack him yet or not. I want to see him probably? Around, I, I think he races better around the corner. So we'll wait and see uh, for how King's Gambit goes in the future. Uh, race five was won by Griff, and we were also on uh, Legacy. Is very disappointing. This is my this is my um, second like flop of the day. Just it did have to do a, it did have to do a bit of work early for Carr, and just definitely had to drew drew a bit wide and had to do a bit of work early to get get to like her spot where she likes. But when like when the pressure was put on him, she just went backwards. Like she just found absolutely nothing. I'm definitely more inclined to sack her than she did. I'll, I'll give her this: she did pull up with a slow, like with a slow recovery. So she might have not been 100 percent for the race, but still, she was still in a good spot. I think she still definitely could have finished off that race better than what she did. But the winner, Griff, come down from Sydney, and like I was saying all along, Sydney form is the best form of going around, and only been knocked off by one better in Tis Invincible when it's like in the second last start. Uh, like yeah, Tis Invincible is going to be winning a Group One coming up soon. So Sydney form is definitely good form this time of year. All ones with Griffin, Kiramar, Dave Eustace, they place that horse for the perfection down here, down, down at uh, Flemington. Not too sure what they're going to target next, but yeah, definitely that Sydney form is just stacking up perfect right now. Race six, she's all shenanigans. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good win down the straight. I definitely couldn't have, I, I was on it first up actually when, when I raced at Caulfield in one of the group races around there. I thought it might have come back a good thing, but just didn't really fire first up. So I definitely couldn't have been on it second up. But it is trained at Flemington by Simon Zara, so was trained to the tracks. Probably had overall better Flemington stats. But Jed, I think it paid like twenty eight bucks or something down the straight. So all I want is put that down the straight. Uh, I, I actually didn't tip anything in the race, but I was leaning skirt the law's way. Uh, just I just don't think it handled the straight. To be honest, it's just not a straight horse. Some horses are born for the straight. Some horses aren't. And I just don't think skirt the law is born for the straight. Just didn't look like she could ever really get into a rhythm that she likes. I think she's used to a corner. Just, I don't think the straight is for her. So I'd be very, very surprised if they ever send her back to the straight. And even out in the race, the sectionals weren't were pretty meh for the race. Nothing really to note out of it. But I think Strett and Angel were the one who Jamie Carr was on. And the money did come for a late is one to follow. A lot of the pro tipsters and pro form followers after the race said Strett and Angel was definitely a black booker follower. 
Uh, she didn't. She didn't reel off the best sessions in, in the race. She had probably like second or third best last six hundred and last two hundred meters. But they all reckon she's a good thing going forward. So that's what the pros are saying. So if you're definitely going to take a black booker out of that race, I'd be booking uh, Stretton Angel. Race seven, Mister Brightside is just what more can you say? Yep, Un- undefeated of his prep, arguably the best miler in the country. One of the best miles in the world. Thank you. Yeah, I've got. To, I've got to get the CEO that one. I was very, very. I mean, I, I was very cautious about it at Flemington. Sixteen hundred, like sixteen hundred meters, was definitely not going to see it out. But just at Flemington and a dollar ninety, very short. Yeah, I, I definitely couldn't tip it. Had the best last two hundred meter splits of the race, eleven thirty six. Like the, the sectionals aren't dynamite. He's definitely had better sectionals, but. He just didn't need to win that race. The race was pretty much a standard to him. I think I think Mr. Brightside's growing in confidence as well with the runs that it's had. Obviously, it was probably in that form where it was tier two sort of caliber horse and then it's just grown from there. So obviously, it was a little bit of a gamble in whether it can get to the right distances, if it can finish in the big races when it counts and also get it done when you've had a heap of previous wins like that. So credit to um, the Hayes boys. Credit to the Hayes boys for getting that one done and um, – yeah, what a horse to watch. It's interesting to see how much it still races. Yeah, I don't know what the I, – I think they've said they want to send him to the new – the King Charles on Everest Day up at Randwick. They want to send him there because he's, he's already a Doncaster, back-to-back Doncaster winner. So it'd be pretty hard to beat up in that King Charles. But I think one of the things, especially down here in Melbourne, we've lost arguably two of our best like wave race horses in Animo and I'm Thunderstruck. Like with that, with both of them just gone, he was always filming in the miners behind them. Correct. So with those two out of the race, like he pretty much just left with alligator blood, and then there's a lot of new blood coming through. We'll give him that. But for stamped Group One winners, wait for age champions like Mister Brightside and Alligator Blood are probably like our only really two major ones that the crowd really know. Like we've got a lot of up and comers now, but for the last Not two to or th- that scale now, no. Yeah, for the last two or three years, it's really only Alligator Blood and. Mr. Brightside, you got left from that leading crop. So he's, like this is his time to shine, and he's not putting a foot wrong. You can't leave really sack winning forms, good form. All races, I reckon, are my favourite. Yeah, absolutely. All, like all, all summer, I was probably one of the best racing, like one of racing racing Victoria's best ideas they've had in the yeah. last year, like multiple years since they've had it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, but yeah, all honest with that. But the one to follow, which is one, which is one of the up and comers in the race, Osipanko for Chris Waller had a thirty-three fourteen last six hundred meter split in the race. Uh, definitely was one of the better six hundred meter splits. In the, I think it was. I think it might have been the best uh, behind Mr. Brightside. But yeah, he's mile a mile looks perfect for him. The one who I was on Princess Grace, I was very flat on that. Just did absolutely nothing over a mile. I thought a mile would have been perfect for it. Blake Sheen, Chris Waller, and you're getting four dollars five or five dollars a win for it, and I was. Definitely leaning that way in front of Mr. Brightside, but just ended up with egg on my face. I was definitely happy to risk Mr. Brightside at that sort of price and definitely don't know what to follow from Princess Grace head of that. I don't know if it's just not a miler or just wasn't ready third up. But, yeah, Mr. Brightside, can't really argue with it. I don't think I can ever go around without it now and stamped himself as one of the best in Australia. Race eight, here we go. Amelia's Jewel, best horse if not, like I think this horse and Mr. Bryce over a mile will be one of the race. I, I don't know what they're going to do with this horse, but this horse is an absolute freak. Yeah. One of the best wins you've seen in Flemington in a while. Fourteen hundred meters first up has never won over fourteen hundred meters first up before in its life, and a one with a leg in the air, absolutely canted up. Had drew fifteen to fifteen, where there was a scratching, so it ended up fourteen to fourteen. From where it was, Damian Lane just absolutely like Flemington was perfect for it. It was so much room for it. 
when they come around the corner. And what it might have been my third or fourth last, but he was just absolutely trucking into the race. Had everything go right for him, for her. Sorry, and Damian Lane just absolutely put it away. It was was not even touching the race. Like I'll give it that. The sectionals weren't that good. At a thirty three ninety five last six hundred and eleven sixty seven last two hundred meters, but he just like she didn't need to like she was only in second gear. She's in second gear the whole race until she only got shown the persuader with seventy five meters to go, and he used it once, and that was it. That's all he needed one kick, and she was off and gone. Yeah, she is one of the best horses in the country at the moment. I'd love to see her up against Mister Brightside and Cohen, like in a mile race. That'll be one of the races of the spring if she if she gets to it or not. Has good ticker. Oh mate, like when she actually gets going and she's hitting top gear, like she, her, her sectionals are through the roof. So can't argue with that. Be love to see her when she gets over a more distance and what, what they're going to send her to. I was very, very. I thought she was going to go the to the Golden Eagle way. I thought she was locked in for that four year old race. Respect to the four year olds, fifteen hundred meters just looked absolutely perfect for her. But the the owner and the trainer have come out on the radio this week and said they're going to send her to the Valley next Friday in the Stock Stakes. If she gets around the valley well, they they reckon they're going to send her to the Cox Plate. SC Christmas Party Day, unbelievable stuff here. I I don't know why they wouldn't go. The, like, like purely speaking from my point of view, she's got a better chance in the four year old race. It's worth more money, and there's no reason you can't go to the Cox Plate the next year. Yeah, like while she's a four year old, take her to the Golden Eagle, win at that race, win ten million dollars just for that race, and then. Send her next year the Cox plays the five year old. Like that to me makes more sense. But I think from their perspective, they're like they they want to win. Like the Cox plate is the race you want to win in Australia. Like it is our, it's a number one way for age race. It's our championship race in Australia. And you, you kind of run the risk of is she, is she going to be in this form again next year? Yeah. So I think like I see why they're going for it. But from my point of view, I would definitely be sending to the Golden Eagle. But from what like, and if she comes out and fails at the Valley next week, they won't even send it to her. They'll, they'll go to the Golden Eagle, but I definitely will be sending it to, to a Golden Eagle, in my humble opinion. Race nine, we were on Benedetta. Jack's Beanstalk survived once again. Thank the Lord. Choo-choo. Bit of a bit of a weird, really, 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 really run race. Najim Suhala was just up by itself, up, up the straight and just was in no man's land, just ran by itself. And I don't know what it ended up finishing. Might have been put up with slow recovery as well, but the winner star patrol. Definitely loves the straight and the the one the one in behind it, uh, King of Sparta has been group one placed every now and then. But just those two, they, they kind of went after um, Najim Suhail really early. Whereas Benedetta was, she was like from the from the back lot. There was only like those three horses at the front. Then it was Benedetta leading the other eight or not like eight of them. And of that of that batch up the back, Benedetta made up that much ground late. And still, with fifty meters ago, I thought she was still going to win the race. Yeah, she was. Absolutely storming home later, and she was just just let the run too late, pretty much. Like the the race was once so weirdly that those lady divisions just had the natural advantage of being that far ahead already. She had too much work to do late, and the work that she did do late was through the roof. She still like if the race was won more moderately, she probably would have won, but probably would have is a pretty common used term in horse racing. So can't really put it down to that. But yeah, I think she was pretty stiff not to win that race. And race 10, Carini, was a pretty good win for Mickey D down the bottom of the weights with 53 kilos. Knocked off our tip and devoted. Uh, just devoted my – I think she pulled up with uh, slow slow recovery as well. But Carini is a French horse coming over, and she was the third, third behind Amenable in Amenable's win a couple of go at Caulfield. So that Amenable form still sacking up around here. 
Karuni was third up, second up now, over to 1,700 metres. And looks like she can just keep going. Like 1,800 metres to 2,000 metres looks her sweet spot. Not really sure what her ceiling is, but, yeah, she's European bred, definitely going to get some good races in her under the sun uh, this coming spring carnival. But I think, and not, I don't think there's much else for me to cover from the Flemington Media CEO, not much else from you to cover. No, but make sure you tune into the episode for Friday. So a lot of people like to hear the review and break it down like you've absolutely nailed it yet again. Flying at the hour. Episode 13 has gone that bloody quick. But uh, like we said, we're hoping to get these out Wednesday. Yep. Um, and then Friday we'll have the tips out. So later on in the week we're going to go out and do the tips, make sure everyone's on board for it and give you that sort of feel that it's close to race day as well. And if you just want to listen to the the tips for this week, that's the episodes that will be coming out. So make sure you stay tuned for those two episodes. Yep. And in honour of this being its own show, I'm just I'm kind of going to copy a bit from the weekly wrap too. I'm, I'm going to in- implement our, our own votes from the weekend. Yes. I've noted some votes down. I, I think this is a good thing for the recap show. You surprised me here. I like yeah. this. I, I did it. I, it's not I, – I, I think it is for its own show, I'm going to put it in there. Uh, so for the votes, for the MVP awards, not one vote goes to think it over. Third up, after two or three years off the thing, back to the scene, it's just, he's just gone past Zaki and Fangirl in an absolute – Mile race, remember. Another social clip for our social man, yep. I reckon. Nope. Yeah, one vote goes to Zaki. Two votes, Mr. Brightside. Can't really argue with that. A- absolutely unbelievable miler. Stamps himself as one of the best in the world. It's best in Australia at the moment and just is proving too hard to beat this time of year. And three votes goes to Amelia's Jewel. She's the real fucking deal. Follow Amelia's Jewel wherever she goes. This is argu- I-, I think now the nature chip's gone. I think Amelia's Jewel is my new favorite horse in the world at the moment. I love this horse. I think she's if she goes to Cox Plate, she's going to win it. If she goes to the Golden Eagle, she's going to win it. Whatever race she goes to, she's going to win. So Amelia's Jewel definitely deserves three votes uh, this week for our MVP. Quick vote for our fraud awards. One one vote goes to Legacy. He's what a flop. I I don't know if I'm going to back her again after that run. She'd have to have another good win or another good run after that to be able to get my money again. Facts. Two votes goes to the sacking of Jimmy Orman. So stiff. I don't think he deserved that at all. Fair. I think the horse did the did the dough on him. It's not him at all. Like for what he did in the race, we had to get him back into the race and nearly win it. I think deserves a, another go. But they've sacked him, so I think that's absolutely stiff as. And three votes goes to the sacking of Craig Williams. You all can go and get stuff. That is so stiff. Craig Williams did not deserve that. He's done that much for you. To be able to sack him off your horse missing the kick is not Craig Williams' fault at all. That's why it's good. You give the results, but you also give your opinion, and I reckon that's absolutely valid. Yeah. So that'll be our quick votes for the weekend. Uh, thanks for all listening to our new recap show. Uh, this will be coming out probably on a probably on a Wednesday night, more than likely. Um, but, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you all Friday morning with our, with our preview of Rose Hill and Caulfield. Let's go. Oh, 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 oh,